With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan for the fans of the Houston Astros. Here's your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Astros Baseball. Joining me this week on the show, coming back for a second time from ESPN 97.5 Late Hits, Patrick Creighton. Patrick, welcome back, bud. I appreciate you having me, man. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the whole week pretty briefly. And, you know, I'll ask you some questions here and there. Uh, before we do that, the episode or the podcast brought to you by Ram Shirts, the company that brought you Crush City Tees. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ram Shirts. Visit RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. All right, so the Astros this week, seven games. They didn't have any days off. A four-game series against the Rangers. They won that three-to-one. A three-game series against the Diamondbacks. They won that two-to-one. So a five and two homestand. But before we do anything, what do you think about the game that just ended? It looked like, I mean, Zach Grinky did horribly. And then the the Astros were doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, Jose Siri with a two run bomb, Chaz McCormick with a home run. All of a sudden, go get Ryan Presley up. We need you to come in and save this game now instead of. Everybody on the internet upset that we're getting ready to lose a series to the Diamondbacks. How amazing was that game today? This is like par for the course, the D-backs. So many times this year, they find ways to, you know, basically snatch defeat from the Jaws of victory. They have blown so many games on the road. They're terrible on the road. And then they have, they might have the worst record in the league on the road. And there's a reason why they're a hundred loss team already. They're, they're just, they're, they they lack a lot of talent, and their pen is not very good. And the Astros were able to take advantage of other teams' pens. And, you know, today here you saw – and this has kind of been a theme with the Astros this year, right? Uh, Jake Myers, who was not really considered a big prospect coming into this year, you know, lost last year because there was no minor league baseball, tears the cover off the ball in AAA this year. Like, it clicked. Mm-hmm. And Jose Siri, another guy, Jose Siri was signed by the Reds as an international free agent in 2012 and was like 17 years old. And that's another guy who, you know, up until this year, you know, hadn't really put it together, had a lot of tools, hadn't really put it together. Uh, the Astros wind up getting him as a minor league free agent. Wow. And he's tearing the cover off the ball and, and all the things have clicked. You know, Jazz McCormick, who was a pretty – he wasn't considered a big prospect, but he was a, a decent player in the minors, showing power that he has never shown 
at any level of baseball in his life. And the Astros continue to get contributions from the guys, quote, down the order and and win baseball games. Oh, and some guy named Carlos Correa, who probably won't be here next year. Yeah, he had a pretty good game, too. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But this is, you know, uh, I love seeing, uh, you know, see guys like Siri and Myers and Chaz. These are these are the kind of stories I love. Guys who, you know, were not heralded prospects or maybe, you know, in serious case, once upon a time he was, but never you know, was was thought that he wasn't going to pan out. And here they are, you know, Myers is 25, Sirius 25. I think Chaz is about the same age. And all of a sudden, these guys this year have put it together and they've all been uh, contributors. Myers has been a big contributor. Chaz's been a big contributor. Sirius only been up for a couple of weeks, but he's hitting what, 450. Yeah, And, you know, Siri and Myers, elite defensive players. And, and Chaz has equated himself uh, in center field for a guy who was a corner outfielder basically his entire minor league career. They're getting production from guys that they didn't count on for production this year. And, you know, those are kind of, the you know, some of the things that uh, I'm going to use the dreaded raise systems uh, way here. That's that's kind of how they do it. They find guys who maybe they didn't count on. They come up and they produce. Yeah, what I was thinking today, because Siri and then McCormick and back to uh, back in the eighth. Yeah, but like whoever was the three outfield and, and and Myers. Myers was after that, and I think he struck out or something. But they were all three in a row in the order, and I was thinking, wow, like we're not even thinking about Tucker, and we're not even thinking about Brantley. Not that we're not thinking about it, but this is my point. For years, we've had this log jam in the infield, and with these guys making this splash, and including Brantley and Tucker, the log jam might be moving to the outfield. Do you see that happening? Well, look at it from this point of view. You know, they signed uh, Pedro Leon as a international free agent, a guy who was a center fielder his whole life in, in Cuba. And, and now they're trying to teach him a shortstop at yeah. 23. Yeah, you know, it's kind of late to teach a guy a new position, especially a guy who's been a, a center fielder basically his whole life. And they're like, OK, we want you to learn short. Like we want you to learn the most difficult position on the field. Uh, and, you know, they think athletically he's guy who's got the tools to do it but you know if if you've the center the instincts of a center fielder it's hard to then turn around and be like okay well now i'm gonna have the instincts of a shortstop they're, they're two totally different things um and you saw it look it impacted his ability to hit this year the offense uh yeah. took a hit well as he spent so much time focusing on defense and you think about what that kid's going through he is trying to learn a new language in a country he's unfamiliar with, with people he doesn't know anybody, and now you're trying to teach him. And you're throwing a lot on this kid's plate all in one shot. Yeah, it's not like he's trying to learn first base. I mean, shortstop, that, that's where the athlete of the infield is. So they're, they're having him learn the hardest position. Do you think shortstop's the hardest one? Yeah, a shortstop to me is, is absolutely the hardest position to play. Uh, you, you requires the most range each side, uh, requires basically the strongest, most accurate arm. Uh, you are not only responsible on the infield, but you know, anything that's a short fly, 
uh, up the middle or left side, you know, left left field. That's all in your wheelhouse. Uh, fly, even, you know, stuff that's pop foul ball going down the third baseline. Essentially, that's the shortstop's ball. So the shortstop has the most requirement of anybody on the field and then has the longest throw to make. So you know, in addition to your, your responsibility is directing the outfielders, you know, where to cut, you're calling out, you know, you're calling out where the, where the ball is going half the time it's in the outfield. So it is, it is the most difficult physical position to play. It yeah. also requires that you are mentally engaged in knowing exactly where the play needs to be on essentially every play. There's no plays off at shortstop. And, and that's a lot to learn for a guy who now also has to learn a language, has to learn a new position, is new to the country. It's, it's a lot on his plate. Uh, I don't think he did a bad job, but it's, it's a very tall undertasking. And we'll see how that plays out. Clearly, if they're working on making him a, a shortstop, they think that they're going to convert him to shortstop. Well, he's probably going to spend next year at, at AAA. Sticking with the Arizona series, since we're already talking about today's game, the first two games went in extra innings. And the first game, Myers had a RBI to tie things up. We loaded the bases up, and McCormick gets hit. A hit-by-pitch walk-off win for the Astros on Friday. And then Saturday, they lose in extra innings, 6-4. to four. Uh, McCullers gave up three runs. Tucker, two for four. Uh, he's doing great since May 2nd, Kyle Tucker, 327 average, a 993 OPS. So two things to touch on. Have you ever seen a walk-off hit by pitch? And what do you think about Tucker? You don't see a whole lot of walk-off HBP, especially one, uh, up around the shoulder, you know, up around the ear hole. Uh, usually base is loaded. You're not, you're not trying to come in that hard. So, you know, I don't think it was, obviously I don't think it was intentional, you know, the pitch got away. And that's what happens on bad teams. The yeah. pitch gets away and you lose a game. Uh, Kyle Tucker, you know, is a guy that I've been very high on now for a couple of years. And early in the season, you know, when, when everybody was screaming, oh, Tucker's not going to be able to play. He's not good enough. It's like, just be patient. It's his first year as a starter in a full season. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, if last year, you know, and, and I always mock the people who are ready to write off Jose Altuve after last year. It's like, all right, so we're going to take a 60-game season, and now we're going to say this was representative of, of Jose Altuve's entire career. That's really funny for the national guys who just want to get the clicks because, you know, boo Astros, everything. But uh, Kyle Tucker was a guy coming into the season that I thought would have a really big season. And... I thought he might get off to a slow start. He, same thing last year. Uh, got off to a slow start, found his groove, and then he was one of their better hitters the second half, the second month of the other year, only two month season. But he was one of their better hitters in the second month of the year, and I thought that he would be able to put that together this year, and he has. And Kyle Tucker's got a shot to hit 300 and have 30 homers. So yeah, he, uh, he he's about to. He, he's really close to hitting 300, and he was he was hitting 181. After the fun first month of the year. Yeah, it, this is, I know that it's Houston and we're a football town and all, but this is the different, like people, sometimes they don't realize baseball is not a marathon. It's like six marathons strung together and it, you have a bad month. 
that doesn't mean you're going to have a bad year. Jose Altuve had a bad month. Is anybody looking at Jose Altuve right now and going, man, this guy stinks. Get rid of him. No. He had a bad month. Kutlinger had a bad month. It happened to be the first month of the season. And, you know, when you've got small sample size and recency bias and you add all that together and people are just panicking, it's like there's no need to panic. Kyle Tucker's going to be fine. And Kyle Tucker's hitting the hell out of ball. He's been one of their best hitters this year. Oh, yeah. So today, Zach Grinke started. He gave up five runs. And then Peter Solomon, who they just called up, because Friday was a bullpen game. I believe Belak started that, so they sent him down, and they yeah, brought on up Friday, Solomon. Dusty was basically tempting the gods, like, I'm going to bring out the three guys, the very, very underbelly of my pen, and yeah. we're going to see what happens. <laughs> and they won. <laughs> and they found a way to win. Yeah. So today, like, Grinky looked bad, but you, you, you touched on it earlier, Correa. With a huge three-run homer, huge. That was that was a very huge play. I think important to note with Granky, um, like he see he was fine for three innings. It all came apart yeah. in the fourth. Um, you know, for him to have you know dealt with the you know being in the protocol and the fact that he had the sore shoulder right before the All Star break. I'm wondering if, you know, those two things are kind of conspiring to wear him down a bit right now. Um, he doesn't he's not a guy that, you know, reaches back and, and throws it really hard. You know, he hasn't been that guy in many, many years. But I wonder if it is just he's got a little shoulder fatigue uh, from everything that he's that he's gone through this year between the the sore shoulder and and then being the protocol i I wonder if that's affecting him because uh after the break right he came back he had a few really good starts Mm -hmm. but his last few starts have been they've been bad and he can't get righties out right now uh you know he he doesn't have the command that he needs to get right-handed batters out right now and Look, Granky knows how he pitches and and what he needs to do to correct his issues better than than anyone else is going to know. But they got to get him right. And you've essentially got two weeks to figure out how to get him right before the postseason. And if that means you got to skip him a start, if that means you got to throw a couple of bullpens on the side to to get him to get him right because because right now he can't get a right-handed batter out save his life they're crushing yeah. him and and you can't you certainly can't pitch him against chicago where no. you got a bunch of righties who mash so that's what that's, i wanted to ask you i mean the way he's pitching he doesn't start in the in a five-game series against the white Sox, does he uh i would say right now if he's not no. pitching any differently i'd say no um, maybe you bring him in uh, as a tandem guy, and you think you can get an inning or two. You think get two innings out of him, but right now he can't get a righty out second time through the order. There's, it's one there's thing to nothing... be third time, but now it's second time through the order. He can't get guys out. Yeah, you don't see anything. You know, well, he's Zach Grinky. You know, he'll figure it out. We're going to start him out of respect. I mean, who 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 would it be? Lance McCullers. I, I think Urquidy's looking really good. Garcia, you know, I think, I mean, your Urquidy, 
he kind of didn't look super when he came back, but you know, he's got to get a stamina, stamina, stamina. He's got to get a stamina back and he looked really good his last outing. So I think it's, it, that's your three pitchers right there. Oh, and then think, you got Framber Valdez. I forgot. I about think him. Uh, McCullers and Valdez are going to start one too. And then after that, I think, you know, Garcia is going to get a start and depending on, on how he's going, if he's still going really well, I think Jay O'Reilly might get that fourth start. I do too. What we've gotten from Jake is, you know, he gets through his five innings and he gives up a run. You put him out there for the six and the wheels come off. And I like, look, I respect the hell out of Odorizzi for wanting the ball. And I, and I love that he was upset that they took the ball out of his hands because uh, he went through five innings and he'd only thrown, you know, he hadn't even thrown like 70 pitches or so. And I love that he's got that fight in him. But yeah. it's also the right move for Dusty because numbers don't lie. And it's not just numbers this year. It's numbers every year. Jake Odorizzi's entire career, he his highest ERA in any inning is the sixth. His highest whip in any inning is the sixth. It always comes undone for him at that point. So if Jake can give you five and then I can tandem, you know, Granky behind him and get an yeah. inning or two. Okay, so, that gets me to the seventh inning, you know, and, and now I've got my my bridge, you know, with Graven and Presley. Uh, I think Garcia and Urquidy uh, could also be uh, a tandem. Because I know that they're concerned about Garcia's innings pitched. And I don't think yeah. he had thrown more than 112 innings in a season. And he's up, he's got close about 150 innings at this point. And, you know, when you get into the postseason, yeah, he's going to be pushing. I mean, if they go deep into the postseason, you're talking about him throwing 180 innings. And, you know, anytime you've got a, a pitcher throwing more than 50 innings over their previous career high, you're in the danger zone. You're in the danger zone for next year, him suffering an injury for next year, uh, him having a big step back in performance, basically due to fatigue. Uh, that That is a hangover. And it is, you know, it's it's documented. There's a ton of stats behind this. Um, you know, this is a big Rick Peterson, Leo Mazzoni uh, type of thing of the, the rule of 50. That you you don't want a guy to go more than 50 innings over their previous career high or you're putting them in the danger zone. And we've seen this happen time and time again. Guys go from 100 innings to 200 innings. And then the next year or the year after, their arm falls off. And I certainly don't want to have that with Louis Garcia, who was a young guy who prior to coming up with the Astros at a desperation last season had never pitched above high A. So I think they will continue to be cautious on the amount of innings that they that they push on him but i could see him being a, a five inning starter in the postseason followed by jose or and you know that's a that's a good one two combination those two guys uh, i'd also like to see them i have not liked the way they've handled christian javier this year uh, it, no. it's like they they've had no idea what to do with javier this year and sometimes he'll go seven eight nine days between appearances uh and you can see his command is off sometimes because it's been too long since he's gotten a chance to, to pitch. And I think what they need to do is they need to set him up in, in a tandem role. And this way he knows he can go back to his, you know, you prepare like a starter the same way you normally would. And yeah. then expect, hey, 
you know, sometime between inning four, five, and six, you're coming in. So get ready. Yeah, if he if he's tandem with like Odorizzi, if they're saying Odorizzi, you're not going past five. You can treat Javier. Okay, when Odorizzi starts, you got innings four through you know, five through nine or six through nine. Or even if it's hey, you're going to come in, you're going to pitch the sixth and the seventh, and yeah. then depending on the situation of the game, we might give you the eighth. Yeah, at least he knows he's coming in. But l- let's go to the Texas game real quick. The first the first game of the series. When the Astros just totally demolished them, 15 to 1. Alvarez had two home runs, and Jose Siri, it was his first start. So we're kind of going backwards to the first game of the week. That dude went four for five with two homers and five RBIs in his first Major League Baseball start. This dude is good. He's been crushing the ball. I believe he was the player of the month for the first month of the season at AAA West. And then he was the player of the month again in August, right as the Astros called him up. He is a legitimate five-tool player. He is an elite defensive player. He's got a cannon for an arm, and he's dead accurate, as you've already seen at the major league level, gunning guys down. He's got great speed. He has very good power. He can hit for average. Uh, he, he's not, he doesn't have terrible, uh, pitch recognition. He could stand to walk a little bit more, uh, Mm -hmm. but he does draw walks. The only negative to his game is he strikes out a lot. Yeah. He he strikes out a lot, but, uh, you know, analytics wise, I know that they don't put as much value on that. And for a guy who can get up there and basically be a 25 homer, 30 stolen base, hit 275, 280, uh, probably have around a 340, 350 on base, play elite defense, they'll live with the strikeouts. I don't know if you've noticed this, but this is something that I was thinking about watching him in that first game, that he kind of has like a a little attitude, like he's a little arrogant in a way. Oh, he's got swag. He's he's got got swag. swag. That is a good way to... And what I was saying is, if this guy wasn't on the Astros team, I probably wouldn't like him. But it doesn't bother you when the guy acts like that and he's on your team. I mean, realistically, in May, he should have been, you think, he, he would have been the guy who would have been playing center field, except he wasn't on the 40 man. You know, early in the season, when both Miles Straw and Chas McCormick and neither one of them could hit, you know, 200, uh, they were both automatic outs. Jose Sierra was tearing the cover off the ball. And it was, all right, well, why why not bring this guy? He's not on the 40-man. And they had so many issues between the starting rotation and the bullpen and, you know, guys being in and out of the COVID list and the protocol. They needed arms. They needed arms desperately. And they couldn't make – they weren't going to risk making moves. Plus, the Astros have been right up against – the the tax all year long mm-hmm. and early in the season they didn't want to go over the tax that was a big deal they did not want to go over the tax come hell or high water and those two things him not being on the 40 man and them not wanting to go over the tax line are the two reasons why jose siri spent basically the entire season up until two weeks ago in triple a yeah so odor started the first game and and he had that issue you know being pulled out of the game 
you know, after five innings or the third time around, whatever Dusty pulls, you know, he, he looks at the numbers and you already said it earlier. And he said, I don't have a chance to improve. You don't give me a chance. You know, if I don't have the opportunity to improve, how can I improve? But he ended up getting hurt. You know, I had the odor is he, is he going to get through five innings watch that game? And he, and he hurt himself somehow. He hurt his knee or his leg. And what, what did he hurt? Oh, it was when he stepped on the bag. So he wound up with a midfoot sprain. They were actually concerned he had a list Frank injury and that he was going to miss the season. Mm. That he was going to have to have surgery. And we've seen many a ball player, their career kind of go down the chutes in a hurry after suffering a major list Frank injury. So he appeared to dodge the bullet on that. And it was just a midfoot sprain. And he said he would be back after his 10 days were up. So as of right now, they think it's not a big deal. Uh, minor injury and that once his days are up, he'll be back. But, I mean, like we spoke earlier, I have more confidence in Oda Rizzi, even if he can only give you five innings. More confidence in him than Grinky. the way Grinky's pitching now. Grinky pitched Tuesday. The Astros lose 8-1. to one. Grinky only goes five innings. He gives up eight runs, seven of them earned. And this is one thing about social media, about, you know, being on the Internet. The, the fans just, you know, they were like, this team's not going to do anything. What's wrong with these guys? And that's like, what are you talking about? It was a bad game. We just won 15 to one. In know, September, have, team's going to yeah. win 95 games. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We just we the second best record base. in the American League. Like, what's wrong with you? Every unfortunately, every fan base has its pocket of morons. There, there's no other way to explain it. Every fan base has its pocket of morons who boo their own team, who take one loss and treat it like it's like they've lost 30 in a row. You, you, you're never going to fix those people. You no. just kind of laugh at them and then move along on your day. Every fan base has them. You know, I mean, I'm from New York. And, you know, the Mets, the Mets booed Mike Piazza his first week with the team. Met fans booed Mike Piazza. He went into the Hall of Fame as a Met, by the way. But his very first week in New York, they booed him. Yeah. Met fans, so, there's a pocket of Met fans that are really freaking stupid. It's, <laughs> it's, every, it's, it's every group. I mean, look, look at Yankee fans this year. Yankee fans this year are the best example of people who ride the roller coaster so freaking hard. Look at um like they Nikki booed Garrett Tutoro. Cole today. Yeah, Garrett, well, Garrett Garrett Cole gave up seven runs, ten hits and seven runs in five and two thirds inning, and they booed him when yeah, he was he's walking about off. To set the Yankees single season strikeout record, and they're booing him. You know, yeah. this is, uh, he's been carrying look, them all year, and they're booing him. That's nuts. You know, who Nick Turo is right. Oh yeah, crazy. Man. Okay. So Nick Turturro's Twitter, after every Yankee game, he makes a video. Yeah. And after every single loss, he loses his mind. You scream and rant and rave and curse, and this team is garbage. This team is trash. I quit on this team. And then they win. I love these guys, and they lose. These guys suck. I'm never watching a game again. Like, this has been, like, every oh, yeah. Yankee fan all year long. It's great to watch because, you know, screw the Yankees. But yeah, to, to watch, like, all their fans lose their minds all the time because, oh, they went, like, uh, was it a couple of weeks ago when the Yankees had that 11-game winning streak and then they were going to Oakland? And 
uh, I had said on the air back then, I said, you know, Yankees fans are all super excited. Yankees are playing great. I'm like, Yankees peak too soon. Yankees are playing their best ball right now. What follows a hot streak? Cold streak. Mm-hmm. And what followed, and followed the Yankees' it. hot streak? They came right in with a cold streak. And they went from, you know, being being basically the same exact record as the Astros to what? Now they're not necessarily they're fighting for that second wild card spot. Uh, they, with the Red Sox. and They had such a losing streak after that winning streak. I thought they had won 13 games in a row. Uh, well, yeah, they, they went to, they went to oh, Oakland okay. winning 11. 11 straight. And, and then they, they wiped won. it out. They wiped and then it out with Oakland a losing came streak. back and won the last two. Or it was a four-game series. So they won the first two, and then Oakland won the second two. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Yankees went like two and nine after that, just wiped out that whole... 13 game win streak and I'm happy. I, I can't stand them. So Wednesday, the Astros come back win with a seven to two victory or a healthier Keedy is back. Six innings, two hits, one run. Uh, Mayers had a home run. Tucker three for four. Marwin Gonzalez had a home run. I believe it was only his only hit. Is Marwin making the playoff roster? Maybe. And and I think a lot of look Marwin hasn't hit for much average. He's got a couple of home runs, but Marwin is a, a known commodity. He's a leader. He can play every dang position. Uh, they they love that about about Marwin. I mean, essentially, Marwin's flexibility to be able to play as many positions as he does has kind of pushed Taylor Jones off the roster for the time being. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Taylor Jones is, was, you know, the, the second time up, you know, in August, he, he was hitting the ball pretty well. Didn't have a whole lot of at-bats, but he hit the ball pretty well. Like a 940 OPS or so in his 40-something at-bats. And Marwin, look, Marwin hit. After 2017, he was the guy who basically had the, the most benefit from the sign-stealing scam. Yeah. 2018, he was in the contract dispute, and he hit terrible in the first half. And then the second half, just like, all right, I'm just putting this behind me. Because they were going back and forth, negotiating with the Astros, trying to get a deal done. And the Astros weren't budging, and it bothered him. It affected him. His teammates you know, had mentioned that it, this was something that bothered him the first half. Second half of the year, he hit 275 at 10 homers. So, you know, Marwin hit the second half of the year. Then he went to Minnesota. And in 2019, he was part of that team that set the record for most home runs because you know, he had like 15 home runs and, and he hit fairly well uh, in Minnesota in 2019. Last year, he didn't hit. And this year, he hadn't hit and wound up going through now a couple of teams. And now he's back here in, in Houston where, you know, maybe a little familiarity, maybe uh, being on a good team, being on a team that he won a ring with. Does that rejuvenate yeah. him? Marwin certainly seems to have a little more pop in his step, at least. Um, he's had the two home runs. He even had the lefty home run. He hadn't hit lefty home runs at all. Uh, so his ability to play everywhere on a team that has needed players who can play everywhere. I mean, think about what the Astros have, have done at that position because, A, Alenis Diaz, you know, basically got the Jeff Bagwell special fastball to the hand and missed two months of the season. And then when he came back, well, 
he was your everyday third baseman because Alex Bregman was still out. So mm-hmm. they've had to tool around with that utility guy between Robel Garcia, who's no longer with the team, uh, Taylor Jones, who's been, you know, on the Sugarland Express back and forth. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they've been trying to find, you know, they had the guy they picked up from Oakland who didn't hit there, came here, didn't hit here either. So Marwin being a known commodity, I think that probably weighs in, in Marwin's favor as a guy that uh, could very well make the post roster. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'd love to see Taylor Jones make the postseason roster because he he did very well, and he's also been on the podcast a couple of times. So I I root for him pretty good here. Uh, Thursday, the Astros won twelve to one. Luis Garcia, five and a third innings. He only gave up one run. The Astros had twelve runs on fifteen hits. Five players for the Astros on Thursday had multi-hit games. Lots of offense versus Texas. You just take away that 8-1 to one loss on Tuesday, and we really put it to the Rangers, that, that series. Everybody has, the Astros more so than uh, teams in recent memory, but teams that score big, big amounts of runs, or big offensive teams, uh, they're going to have a clunker every now and then. It's yeah. just how it is. But you go back to those games, 12 runs on 15 hits, seven of those hits were for extra bases. You know, they had five doubles and two homers. When, when, you're, when you're banging walls all day long, you're going to put up a, a ton of runs. And in the in reality is, you know, when we get to the postseason, there's going to be games where the Astros don't hit. It's going to happen. There's also going to be games where the Astros – hang 15 hits on the board and the other team is just going to burn through their entire pen. Uh, this, is, this is who the Astros are. They're, they're a big offensive team that when they're cold, they're ice cold. And when they're hot, they're unstoppable. Yeah. And they're going to play some postseason level baseball, uh, you know, coming up here as, you know, you're going to go out to LA, you're going to play four with the Halos. Then you got to have three in Oakland. Then you got to come back home. You're going to get three with the Rays, and you get three more with Oakland. All the, you know, you're talking about essentially two playoff teams and one team that's 500 team. They're representative. You know, they're not they're not bums. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they can certainly they can hit. Pitching's another story. It comes and goes with with the Halos, but you're you're going to play good teams. You're going to play games on a road. And, you know, you're going to you're going to be ready to go for the postseason playing those teams. So I, I think, you know, and we've, we've seen some guys on the White Sox talk about this uh, recently, how they talk about, look, they, they're so comfortably in front of the division and nobody in the division really has a chance catching them. And they're not really going to play. <clears throat> they're not really going to play playoff teams going down the stretch and like, you know, really wish we were playing better competition so that, you know, you got that fire burning, you got that juice yeah. going, going into the postseason. Well, the Astros don't have that problem. They, they're getting, they're getting the A's for six and the Rays for three to finish the season. You're playing basically nine playoff games heading into the postseason. They're going to be ready. And, yeah, and I think I that, you know, you. you know, iron sharpens iron. I think they're going to be more ready uh, to get into the postseason than the White Sox are. So the Astros are 88 and 61. Their magic number is eight. The Athletics are currently up on the Angels, two to zero in the top of the eighth. They are, I believe, three and a half games behind the Rays.
with the best record in baseball. Now, say that one more time. The Astros' record is what? Is it 88 and 61? All right, 88 wins. You got 13 games to go. You're seven and six, you're 95 wins. Before the season started, I said they were a 94-win team, maybe upwards high, high-end 96. That's what I said. M- maybe I was low. Maybe I didn't give them enough credit. <laughs> My former co-host, she said 102 or 104, but I, I, I was like, I think it's going to be 94 or 96. I don't know they're, where I got that number, but they're getting really close. That, and they're going to be right there in that range. I the mean, Tampa 96, Bay series is going to be big. 96 wins is 30 games over 500. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, if you look at our record, 88 and 61, and just, you know, cut the second numbers off, that's eight and six, right? I mean, and you just keep adding it up, adding it up over the year, and that's how you get 20 or 30 games over 500. But, you you know, a- you, you go eight and you go like, if you go eight and five in 13 games, everybody's panicking, but they don't realize that. Multiply that by 10, and that's, you know, whatever, 50 and 30. That's an awesome record. I had done a breakdown of the Astros streaks earlier this year on ESPN 97.5, and we looked at the, their winning streaks and how, like, when they're on hot streaks, their winning percentage was, like, over 750. And then, you know, other games, they were – they they had like a like forty percent like they're like a four hundred team, mm-hmm. and I went and I looked at their their primary losing streaks like what was going on during their primary losing streaks. First losing streak is early in the season. Half the lineups out with COVID. They go one and nine. COVID put one and nine in their on on their record. That's a lot. So so eighty eight and sixty one is eighty seven and fifty two. Yeah, that's that's a big swing. That's actually nine wins. Well, let's say I mean the one and nine. Let's say you know these were all bad teams. Let's say they just went six and four. Well, that's five five game swing the other way. You're talking about being ninety three and 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 fifty eight. Yeah, or or ninety three and fifty six. Well, ninety three and fifty six is what Tampa. I can look and see what Tampa is. That's just COVID. You know, and then every other losing streak they had, they had one where they lost three pitchers uh, all at the same time, three starters all at the same time. And they were basically just bringing guys up from AAA left and right. And, uh, you know, they didn't have they didn't have a bullpen. They didn't have starting pitchers. They were just calling guys up because of they had three starting pitchers down all at the same time. So, you know, and then there was, uh, you know, they had another losing streak where they had a couple of guys go out, including when Bregman went out. So. Like each losing streak has either been COVID related or has been director related to multiple injuries all at one time. When the team is mostly whole, they've stumped mud holes in the league. Yeah. So, you know, the, the whole, like every time they lose, oh, they're going nowhere. I don't understand those kind of people because there's mm-hmm. no logic in that. There's no thought process in that. That's just, oh, they lost it. I'm pissed. They've always had someone out the whole year. I mean, they yeah, just they, basically they, haven't been played, they they played the Arizona series without Michael Brantley. This is the closest. This is the closest they've been to whole, essentially. Yeah, yeah. like I said, Michael Brantley's on the IL. 
Interesting fact here that I just noticed when you're asking me what the rate, I mean, when you said what the raised record is, it's 92 and 58. They lost to the Tigers two to zero. The, the Rays and the Astros have the identical 47 and 28 record at home. Good job, AJ Hinch. Get those wins for us. <laughs> so before I let you go, can we catch the Rays? It's possible, right? It's really unlikely. There's only yeah. 13 games left in the season. Uh, what? How far behind did you say they were? Three and a half. Three and a half and 13. That might have been before That's, their, their game ended. So it could be only three. It's, th- it's still a lot to make up in, in 13 games. Uh, the Astros, when you can, well, you know what? Here's where it's going to come down. They're going to get the Rays for three. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If they you both play the same if and you they sweep them, them you got you no go. chance. But you got to no. sweep them. Yeah. I mean, that. I'm not worried that, about how well they're going to play against Oakland because, look, with the except, I mean, the team that played them the toughest in division this year is the Mariners. Yeah. They've beaten the snot at everybody else. I mean, they look, they own the A's. They've owned the A's for years. And the whole thing with Mike Fires being a little tattletale bitch, you know, and then hiding him, you know, basically putting him in witness protection every time they had to play the Astros. The Astros are in their heads. They can't beat the Astros. It was so gratifying to see the A's last year where they win the division and the Astros are, you know, like two games under 500. This is our year. We're the champs. We're taking over. The Astros time is coming gone. We're going to put them down in the postseason. Uh, update. You lost. And, and yeah. it was quite, it was quite gratifying to see the A's, uh, a get spanked by the Astros and B continue to hide Mike fires. Like he's in witness protection, the entire series, the only pitcher on the team who didn't pitch. So, uh, I, I love, uh, these, these dramas, not, not in the, not in the playoffs last year or at all this season. He hasn't thrown one pitch against them. Nope. I didn't Let pitch me, against them last year in the regular season either. Let me ask you this. One more thing. We're talking about the Astros trying to overtake the Rays for the number one seed. But you get the number one seed, you're going to end up playing the wild card winner, which could be Boston or Toronto. Do you really want to play Toronto that early, or wouldn't you rather just play Chicago? Right now, the White Sox are beat up. And they're beat up in the rotation, and that's one of the strengths of the team. The, their, their experiment of making Craig Kimball the eighth inning guy hasn't quite worked out the way they thought it would. Uh, so right now you could say that the, the White Sox are a little more vulnerable than they've been all year. That being said, uh, Toronto is a very top-heavy lineup. And if they don't get production from their big dudes, they don't score. When the big dudes are hitting, they can score a ton of runs in a hurry. But that's not a team. Like I'm not afraid of the, of the Blue Jays pitching. You, you you have respect for the White Sox pitching when they're healthy. Like there's no super respect for the Jays. You're not disrespecting them, but you're not like, wow, that guy's really good. You know, we gotta really bear down against that guy. You're going to go, hey, they're they're gonna hit. We're gonna hit too. So. I'm not uh, I'm not all that like I don't look at the Blue Jays and go, oh, wow, that's that's a team I don't want to face. Same thing with the Red Sox. I don't look at the Red Sox team. I don't want to face. I don't look at the Yankees. I think the Astros run the Yankees heads, too. 
you know, everything yeah. to this point, it's always still about, you know, the Astros. I thought it was hilarious how the Yankees who were crying and screaming and starting wanting to start fistfights in the 2019 playoffs. Hey, the Astros are whistling to, to send signs to the guy at the plate. Yeah, because Gary Sanchez is basically giving away the pitch with his positioning and they were whistling, trying to communicate the pitch. Was that illegal? Yes, it was. Because before the season, Joe Torrey and Major League Baseball officials went around to all the teams before the start of the 2019 season and said, you're not going to do that. It's illegal. And we're going to crack down on it like we've never cracked down on it before. So don't do it. So the Yankees are fuming. Oh, the Astros are whistling to send signs against the Mets. Uh, you know, not this weekend, but last weekend, they were doing the exact same thing. And yeah. they can't pretend, well, we didn't know because you guys bitched like freaking hell about it. Oh, the Astros were doing it. Those dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking cheaters. You guys are doing it right here to the Mets. Oh, and you still lost because Frank Lindor hit three homers, so screw the Yankees. Uh, but <laughs> the, the idea of like the Yankees, it always everything always comes back to the Astros. And then when you call the Yankees out for cheating, we're not cheating, only the Astros cheat. It's like, yeah, all right. When when you guys release the letter, let me know. Yeah. All right, Patrick. That's all I have. I appreciate you coming on on short notice. I I, I you know, I have a guest lined up next week, but not this week. You know, I was trying hard to get someone new and not bother you, but I'm very, very happy you came through and it was a, a great conversation. I really appreciate it. No, I'm happy to do it. You know, I mean, I know there's some douchebags out there that, you know, think, oh, well, if you're not going to pay me to come in your podcast, I'm not going to do it. All right. That's why you're an <laughs> asshole. And uh, basically nobody likes you. And if you fall off the cliff tomorrow, nobody's going to show up at your funeral. But, you know, we might have a little bit of party and laugh at you. You know, there's there's we're, we're all in this together. We all work together. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, we all work together to make the best media products possible and yeah. get as much info to the fans as possible. Always happy to come on anytime. Yeah, you were talking about Dan Clark and I, I, I wasn't going to name him because he's a well, it's douche. fine. I, I invited him as well. And that's the response he gave to me. I usually charge 100, but I'll do it for 50. And I said, no, it's okay. I, I I do this for the love of talking to other people about baseball. I don't do it for money. It's just I just do it for the love of talking about baseball, and that's it. So I, I didn't say anything negative to him. I didn't get angry. But, yeah, that's kind of a douche move, you know, whatever. All right, Some buddy, I appreciate think it. they're more important than they are, and, and the clock's not important at all. No, he's not. All right, buddy. Thanks for tuning in. And everyone else, not not you for tuning in, but thank you for coming on. But thank all of you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when there's a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.